DiscerningHearts.com presents Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. Deacon Gutierrez studied theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville and at the Angelicum in Rome. He holds a master's degree in theology from the University of Dallas. He has worked for the church in various capacities, including as a teacher and administrator, and is currently on the faculty of the School of Faith. His expertise includes Catholic social teaching, and his writings on the subject have appeared in several national Catholic newspapers and periodicals. He's the author of The Urging of Christ's Love, The Saints, and The Social Teaching of the Catholic Church. Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Participation. How does subsidiarity and participation work together? Well, if if the local uh, community is supposed to take responsibility for local issues, then that's going to require the local community to take responsibility, to participate in those local issues. Mm-hmm. Um, participation, and, I, and I, I really do love the fact that the, 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 the folks who put together the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church, the Pontifical Institute for Justice and Peace, included participation as one of the fundamental principles. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it reminds us that Christianity is not a sideline religion. <laughs> uh, Catholicism is not, a, a wallflower, not for wallflowers. Uh, you have to get your hands dirty. Um, you cannot claim um, uh, autonomy, let's say, from the state, right? And then do nothing for the person across the street, for the person who's homeless, the person down 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 the road. Um, you're not taking hold of your responsibility. Um, how can you claim I have the right to be free from the from the government to choose my health care or choose this or that, the other thing, and then not do anything? for the local community uh, in terms of participating in decisions, to participating in, uh, in uh, helping solve the problems. Um, so what is participation? The compendium says this on page 83, the characteristic implication of subsidiarity is participation, which is expressed essentially in a series of activities by means of which the citizen, either as an individual or in association with others, whether directly or through representation, contributes to the cultural, economic, political, and social life of the civil community to which he belongs. Right? So there's a lot mm-hmm. there, but essentially the idea is this is an actual implication of subsidiarity. You have to be involved. And what I love about this paragraph from the compendium is that it's, it, it lays out, look, you can do this as an individual. You can also do it in association with others. So if your parish gets involved with things, mm-hmm. volunteer at your parish to make sure you're, you're working with, with the parish to help out and uh, a food pantry or a soup kitchen or or in the local community with the the local archdiocese the archdiocese has catholic charities can you volunteer catholic charities um and then uh, contribute to the cultural economic political and social life there are four areas in which you can contribute cultural let's take that one for instance what are you buying what are you listening to what are you reading what are you watching in the films i was just reading a uh, a review of a movie um that was a, a, a movie where the, the was the, they were spelunking, they were in a cave, and and uh, there was a great tragedy, and then members in this uh, team start killing each other off, euthanizing each other. I mean, that's not the sort of thing that Catholics ought to be going to and encouraging Hollywood to make, mm-hmm. right? 
mm-hmm. yet we have all kinds of Catholic teenagers going through these sorts of things. Parents take charge of what your kids are imbibing. Take charge of what you're imbibing. What are you watching on TV? Um, what are you reading culturally? Are you reading the pap that's sort of given out uh, on, the, on the bookstore? Are you reading important books to help you understand your own faith, your, your life, or just beautiful things, beautiful things? Jane Austen or, or Chesterton, who has great stories. What are you reading culturally, mm-hmm. uh, economically? How are you participating economically? Um, are are the, the investments you're making, are those investments going to companies support things like Planned Parenthood, support pornography, support things that undermine the culture? Um, are, there, are there companies that help families? Uh, how are you spending your money? Where are you spending? Are you contributing to your local parish, by the way? Um, mm-hmm. There are any number of different um, uh, systems for participation and stewardship within parishes. Uh, and people you know, talk about the time, treasure, and talent. Um, economically, how are you contributing with your treasure to the parish? How are you contributing in your talent? How are you treasure, you're contributing with your time? Those are things that are part of participation and the social doctrine of the church. Politically, folks, you can't not vote. You have to vote. But that requires that you educate yourself on what the issues are and what, uh, what the uh, individuals who are running for office stand for. Um, are they the sort of person who has no problem with the ends justifies the means? Are they the sort of person who, who does get involved in, in scandals, uh, economic, personal, etc.? Are they the sort of the person who, who stands up for what they believe in and, and holds the principles? You have to get involved. That requires you participate, which means probably reading the local paper, watching local news, talking with friends about politics. And I know nobody likes to do that. Politics and religion are things you don't talk about amongst friends. But that's exactly backwards. Those are the two things you ought to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, social life. Uh, how are you spending time with your friends? Do you seek out people of like mind, people of, of, uh, of, 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 of like values? Which is not to say that we, we, we have this sort of ghettoized idea of Catholics. You only hang out with Catholics or people who agree with you. Um, but, but do you spend time with people to help expand your notion of, of, of poverty? Uh, here's something where, in, in terms of participation, do you spend time with the poor? Do you spend time getting to know people who are poor? Do you spend time getting to know, if you, if you happen to be somebody blessed with a great deal of wealth, do you know what it's like for people who have to struggle to find work? Do you have friends and you talk to them about, about what it means to, 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 to worry about um, uh, uh, providing for their family? This is the new evangelization. Exactly. Because there's the very old adage that comes down, I believe it's from St. Francis, that if when you go into a town, preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. Evangelization isn't necessarily about what you say. It's about how you live it out and express it. They will know we are Christians by our love. Yes. And that has ramifications on everything. And from what you've taught us so far, what I'm hearing too is that in that depth of prayer, if we first and foremost have that encounter with Jesus Christ, we listen to him, we will know in all those areas then on how to evangelize our actions. Exactly. What, what, how do we proclaim the good news in all those different aspects you just spoke about? And that, I'm glad you brought that up because that allows me to, to, to fit in. When we started out, when we talked about Jesus Christ, you brought up the fact that we were 
Um, when we put Christ in the middle of our social action, uh, is analogous to putting Christ back in the tabernacle in the middle in our churches. You know uh, how the way we worship really affects what we do. And there's that great Latin adage, "Lex orandi, lex credendi." You know, the law of prayer is the law of believing, and what we what we believe in ought to affect what we do. Um, Participation is also about uh, participating um, in our spiritual lives. Um, we have this tendency when we think about participation in the Mass, full and active participation, that full and active participation has to mean doing something, right? We have to be an EMHC, we have to be a lector, we have to be uh, an usher, we have to be doing something at Mass for us to be really participating, active. That's not, that's not the way the Church understands this. The Church understands active and full participation as being active and full participation within the liturgy as, as, as a layperson. Mm-hmm. That means interiorly being engaged into what it is you're saying, so that when you're saying the Nicene Creed, you're engaged in what you're saying. When you're singing these great hymns to God, you're engaged in what that means. When you're, when you're proclaiming holy, 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 that you understand that there's a, there's a mountain of angels there in the tabernacle and around the altar, right there, literally there, actually there. We say we believe in things seen and unseen. Do we participate in that reality? Are we fully actively participating in that reality and what's true? That's participation in liturgy. And likewise, in the social doctrine, when we participate, we have this tendency to think that it has to be always or only doing things. You have to be out there. It can also be just that interior participation and, and, and engagement in the reality of God's love for us and God's love for that homeless person, that person struggling. Because we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, he does not leave us orphaned. No. That is the great beauty of that Eucharistic celebration because in that worship, we also have the opportunity to bring in all the suffering Mm. that we've endured throughout that week or throughout that day even because maybe we had to give up things that we wanted to cling to because it was for the better good of the culture, for the better, better good of our neighbor. Maybe I have to give up this sin of greed. I have to renounce this behavior. I have to no longer participate in this dialogue. I am now ostracized at work because I stand up Mm -hmm. and just no longer participate in the gossip around the, the cooler. And so I no longer have the friendships. I have to suffer Yes, for this Christianity. And I bring that to the mass and I allow Christ to offer that to the father so that grace can be poured out into the world. And then he fills this up, and then he sends us back out again. See, it's all very organic. I mean, it it just, oh. And it overlaps exactly with with the way the spiritual life ought to bleed out into the rest of the world and and in the social doctrine. You will not know, as we've said before with Look, Judge, Act, and other things, you will not know how to judge, how to act, how to look. You will not know uh, how to properly do what it is you're supposed to be doing and participating in the world unless you're rooted you're rooted in participation with Christ Jesus and the reality that is his. One of the, the lines of the great sayings of C.S. Lewis is you know, about the Shadowlands. Um, and the Shadowlands was the title of a movie about him. And, but it, it's a reference to his idea that, that our, our being here on earth is just a shadow of what's truly real. And what's truly real is heaven. If you've read The Great Divorce, you remember that you know, even the grass in, 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 the, in The Great Divorce and the footsteps of heaven, that grass was hard. It was so real, it was stiff. You know, it was, it was crystalline, actually. Um, it, 
the reality that we need to be participating in is not the reality of this world, but the reality of, of, of the kingdom of God, a reality of a relationship with Christ Jesus, entering into and participating in that reality, because it's in doing that that we come to realize that our desire for the new car or our desire for the, the latte, our desire for all these things, which are good, they're fine, there's nothing wrong with them, but our desire that can be in ordered. Our desire for that can be better placed in, in the love for our neighbor, the love for the neighbor who is loved by Christ, the love for the neighbor who is Christ. He says that to us, and at the end of time, in Matthew, he tells us, when did you feed me? When did you clothe me? When did you, when did you visit me? He is Christ, and, and by participating interiorly in that spiritual life, in that participation with Christ Jesus, and, and understanding what's truly real, Mm-hmm. Um, which is life in him, uh, then that allows us to participate well in society and do the things we ought to be doing. Allowing that re- individual response on our part for our ability to be able to respond to his call and how he's created each and every one of us so uniquely. Yeah. Preventing the individual from being able to respond in holiness, in mm. virtue. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying selfishly or their own interior wants, their own desires, but I mean responding to the call, which is expressed ideally in virtue. Yes, yes. Having an outside entity it become a barrier to that ability to respond, that's the problem. Whether it, That's why when we talk about a big, big government or a big, big business or whatever comes in and violates the expression of how we are created and our ability to be able to respond. That's where the church would say this is where the problem is. Yes, exactly, because the, as, as we've said before, the, the, the big business or the big government, that outside force coming in, isn't primarily taking into account us or our needs or what we're after or what God has called us to do. They're more concerned with efficiency, which is understandable, but efficiency isn't virtue. There's never, ever in the in the history of mankind uh, list uh, efficiency as a virtue. It's not, um, and so that's why we have to be careful. We have to be careful about what is truly our end. Um, is it to be more virtuous and to seek sanctity and and be able to serve our neighbor, or is it to make sure things run well? And that's the danger of the enlightenment. That's the danger of the sort of scientific, science, um, the scientific. Uh, uh, forensic, mechanical approach to to life and and to love. Yeah, and I don't mean to belabor that the distinction once again. That again, it's not about the freedom to do whatever we want to do. Right. It's the freedom to act in virtue. Yes. All the the holy things for the good. For the good. For the good. And uh, incidentally, I should bring up too, not just good for for us and for now. There's a there's a a, a, a uh, a notion in participation that we're participating in uh, in, a, in a larger um, a communion. Uh, when we talk about the church, oftentimes we think about just the church as being those here on earth. The church includes uh, the church suffering and the church triumphant, those in heaven and those in purgatory. We're just one third of them, and and actually, we're the ones in heaven probably far outnumber the ones here on earth. Um, so. Uh, we're a small third of, of the church, and we're, we need to understand that our participation has to be in participation with the saints and participation with those in purgatory and to keep them in mind uh, as we're, we're, we're questioning ourselves about in what we're to participate. 
that society that we're talking about, this society of God's people living this out, of course, it's the ideal is heaven. Yes. That's we're called though to try to bring that good news so that the kingdom can be here now for us present on earth. Exactly. And that's the goal. I mean, I know that it, in so many how it all plays out, how it all looks. But this is the if you go back to that fundamental block of that relationship with Jesus Christ and the importance and dignity of each human person, and then it grows that that primary formator, the primary community is that of the of the family, yeah. and that that shouldn't be violated. Then everything else springs out of that, doesn't it? It does, and that and I'm glad you brought us back to the family, that participation in the family. Um, uh, as a as the head of a family and as somebody who needs to support that family, it's very easy for moms and dads to get caught up in careers or in how am I going to make a little bit more money or, or any number of various things. Um, it's it's difficult for us to continue to keep at the forefront of our minds that our vocation, uh, our vocation is as husband and father or as mother and 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 wife. Um, that's our vocation. That's what's going to get us to heaven. Not, or maybe let's say secondarily, whether or not I'm a good cobbler or butcher or or theologian or whatever. That's that's less important than whether or not I'm a good father. Mm-hmm. Uh, less important than whether or not I'm a good husband or I'm a good son. That is what more fundamentally gets me to heaven or doesn't. That's our fundamental identity. Exactly. Who are we? Exactly. Now, there have been states that have caused families to have to splinter mm. in some ways where they the mother and the father have been forced to work in factories. We yes. know the stories, especially in the eastern the former Eastern Bloc countries, mm-hmm. that and the child would be placed in a daycare system that would be huge and and the child would be lost. And there was so much fracturing that happened there. And we look we can look from an American perspective and say, that's terrible. Yeah. But yet on the flip side of that if you have an economy that is being driven so forcefully and so oppressively that both parents feel they must work, how is that different yes. than something that has been imposed by the state? Now the economy has forced you. Yeah. And so the, it, it's not to say I love America and yeah. I love I love our system and, and that we have the ability to be able to speak openly about all and of that, this. That's part of the great American exceptionalism. We are an exceptional country. Exactly. But those are the kind of things we have to ask ourselves yeah. is that we're so used to hearing it's a good, 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 go out and spend, 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 because we had to keep it going, going, going. Yes. Do we? Do is that really what we need to be doing? Exactly. Are, are we participating in an economy in a way that only perpetuates the problem? Uh, you know, there's that, uh, that model of a kind of Keynesian economics that you, you don't save money uh, so, that you, so that rather you can participate in the economy actively. Mm-hmm. Um, you participate in, in, in buying uh, and in consuming instead of in saving. Uh, and we've built up this economy here in the United States where it's so easy to get a credit card so that you can continue consuming even though you don't have the money. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, the emphasis is participation in economic consumption. Um, when that's the notion of participation, then you get some of the problems we have where people are buying homes they can't afford or people are the average amount of debt uh, for the average American is is well above ever it's ever been in the history of of the United States and and there was a time in our country 
when buying things on credit was considered immoral. Mm-hmm. And considered immoral because you don't have the money to own it, mm-hmm. so you can't buy it. Um, it's the, the, the question is, when you're talking about our fundamental identity, um, to what are we being participative? You know, where are we trying to participate uh, fundamentally? Uh, and if we're participating in the church in the relationship with Christ, it's going to bleed out then into our family and into society. But the, the first should be our participation in the relationship with Christ Jesus to inform all the rest and not participation in an economy first. That's right. And also uh, that participating within that governmental structure, having the voice of the individual within the context of the community he has chosen to live in mm. with like-minded individuals, they've chosen to live there, yeah. the type of society they would wish to be able to have ideally should be up to them to determine that yeah. and not imposed on others. And my, I, I know it may seem like a gross simplification, which I just brought up, but isn't that part of the, that ability of the local community to be able to set laws? I'm thinking, of course, you know, that a community should be able to say, we, we believe abortion is murder. Right. So in the context of our local area, we prohibit the killing of a child within his mother's womb. Yes. And for a larger government to come in and say, no, you have to allow that, that's where the, the tension comes in. Right. And then that's going to be, as we talk about solidarity later, but, but it's part of this both and, is that we have that tendency, let's talk about the other extreme, we've talked about socialism, the rest, um, but the other extreme is that government ought to have, cannot have any influence on me, the sort of mm-hmm. libertarian approach. Um, that's a position that I think has to be rejected as well, um, if, if for only the fact that you can have these, these ghettoized notions of what's good for us, um, uh, for my community, uh, at the detriment of other communities, at which point then communities need to appeal to someone, and that's why you have a higher word of authority to help uh, look into that, as well as looking over the, the right distribution of wealth. The, the impetus has to come from us, subsidiarity from, from us, but... Uh, there has to be that participation at the local level that allows that. Um, one way to allow that, then, is by making sure that those who are participating are not just the rich, are not just business leaders. It's, I think it's a, a sad state of affairs that in this country, if somebody wants to, to run for office, uh, with a local office or, you know, let's say, a senator or, uh, or president, um, by and large, they're not going to be somebody from the working class. <laughs> they're not going to mm-hmm. be somebody who uh, is, a, a, let's say, a common man, but somebody who has wealth and means, who's connected with that culture. Uh, participation suggests that you're able to have more than uh, an elite of people uh, participate. If you don't have that participation of uh, the common man, then practically what you have is an oligarchy or an aristocracy. Um, you have the power of a few people, uh, a few select people, uh, and you miss the viewpoint of the common people. There's that show out there now called uh, Undercover Boss, and I haven't seen many episodes of it, but I, I did see one where you know the premise is a boss goes undercover, he disguises himself, and he works side by side by with people who work for him, and they don't know he's their boss, and he really gets to know them. There's that great scene from you know Henry V where you know the king goes amongst the soldiers to see what the soldiers think get the real the mood of the people well that's participation that's that's allowing the the average person to voice have a voice in society so that you know 
what, what the problems of society are and what the perceptions are. And there's one episode of Undercover Boss that I saw. Here's this boss who who realizes that his company is overlooking great talent, overlooking some of the things they're not doing efficiently. And at the end of the episode, the poor guy was was left weeping because he realized he'd, you know, coming from humble means himself, he realized that he had engaged in the same sins uh, that had plagued his family when he was growing up of people in power with wealth not paying attention to what people need. And he was, he was mentioning the fact of his watches, his $1,000 watches and his multi-thousand dollar cars and suits and, and the private plane and leaving behind all his co-workers, the people who worked for him, who he now calls co-workers. Um, uh, it, it struck him. The participation of those who are struggling, the participation of those who, uh, who have to work for a living and, and getting to know what that psychological, uh, personal struggle is, helps society understand what ought to be done and how better to take care of who we are. Mm. What a wonderful example. It, it causes me to recall the, the founding of the United States. Mm. And what I thought, to me anyway, seemed the genuine enthusiasm of our Holy Father, Pope Benedict, when he came to the United States and was just embracing the opportunities that we have here in America because of the system that was established. Yeah. And that in that our founding... The idea that the common man could serve and have a voice as the way the House of Representatives was originally set up, that the Senate would be the representative of the state. Now it's not that way. No, that that right, was yeah. changed, and now the, the vote is a, a, a different type of vote. But the, the great American experiment that has been lived out, the opportunities to be able to express that, for us not to engage in this gift of voice, mm. of participation, uh, seems almost like a, a, a sad missed opportunity. Yes, and we still have, I'm glad you, we, are, we do have opportunities here in the United States for the common man to reach positions of power. You look at, um, I'm not tipping my hat this way or that way, but you look at John Boehner, the new you know, speaker of the, of the house, he was one of twelve kids in a poor part of Ohio, and you know his father owned a bar, and now he's one of the most powerful men in the United States. That's that's impressive. That's amazing. That's it's one of the few countries in the world where where that can happen. But the question is, you know, why doesn't it happen more often? And where does one have to be before they can start to participate? I, I think those examples from from literature, from Shakespeare, and those examples from even reality TVs, yes, sometimes it actually can produce something good are good for us to keep in mind that participation involves the, the relationship with, with everybody in society and not just those at, at our level. But then that's going to show us then what that bleeds into then what we mean by solidarity. Mm. Which we'll have to wait for our next episode. That's right. Thank you, Omar. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation to help support our efforts. But most of all, We hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Regnum Novum.
bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. <laughs>